Welcome back to Ferocious Compassion. Today, I'm so excited. I'm interviewing Allison Chino, who's a cherished friend of mine and one of the most genuine people you'll ever meet. She's a traveler, writer, photographer, yoga instructor, and copywriter. She takes these beautiful walks in nature in various countries throughout the world, then takes gorgeous photographs and writes deeply moving stories about how she sees the natural world. It's like going into a meditative state, one that's really soothing and inspiring at the same time. She's been with me on my Italy retreats, taking her beautiful photos, sharing yoga teachings, and adding a touch of warmth and grace as no one else can. You'll want to visit her blog and get to know her work. Any time spent with Allison is high quality time. Enjoy. Welcome, Allison Chino. I am so happy that you are joining me here on Ferocious Compassion. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I have been a fangirl of yours for longer than I can even imagine. And you and I have a long story of working together. And there's whenever I think of just a handful of people in my life who really embody compassionate living, along with adventure, travel, soulfulness, all the things that that I really value, you are pretty much in that top five. That's really, really kind. Really, yeah, I'm overwhelmed. (laughs) And really true, and really true. And I love... The way I first connected with you is obviously through your beautiful copywriting. And I believe that when I landed on your website years and years ago, you were uh, kind of in the midst of writing about living in different places in the world and taking these amazing walks. And I wonder if we could start out today by you letting us know where you live now, how you got there, what your story is with your husband and your work and how you've lived all over and how that's all worked so far. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We've moved a lot in our, we've been married um, almost 26 years and we've lived in a lot of places. So that just seems to be kind of a theme of our, um, of our time together and, and dragging our children all over to all different places. We now live in Rock Island, Illinois, which is in the Quad Cities, an area I had never heard of until we moved here because my husband's a visiting professor here. So that's part of why we have gotten to go so many places. I'm originally from Little Rock, Arkansas. I can hear that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We have lived in uh, Chicago and Seattle, and then we moved to Aberdeen, Scotland for several years and made our way to Germany for a little while. So we love, we really love being in new places. Um, Yeah, that's definitely part. And of course, it is sounds more romantic maybe than it actually is. Of course, there's many challenges and all of our children could tell you that there are many challenges with moving to new places every few years, but it seems to, it just seems to work for us. So, yeah. 
what would you say with your children? How would they define, you know, the most, the, the most momentous of those changes? And how, how will that make them a little more resilient, do you think? Hmm. I think, I mean, for sure, we had moved back to Arkansas when our kids were pretty young. So we lived kind of around several places in the United States. We moved back to Arkansas and, and we were there for 10 years. That's our longest time we've ever been in one place and we have family there. And so I feel like what happened there is without me really intending it is that they became really rooted almost through my own, you know, that that's where I'm rooted. That's where I'm from. And they became really rooted there. And I feel like they would all call that home, even though since then we've lived in several other places. Um, so the biggest uprooting was probably we moved to Scotland from Arkansas and uh, three of our kids were in middle school and high school. So it's just a, you know, a, it's a rough time to pick up and completely uh, disrupt everything. But I also, I feel like it's sort of indicative of how much I think uh, disruption creates good and growth in our lives. Um, so I, they would all say now that they loved that, that they loved Scotland, they loved our time there, that, that it was a beautiful time for our family. It, kind of brought us back together and um and it, at a time when your kids are normally all really doing their own thing we at least had a season before they made friends where you know it was just us <laughs> it's just the six of us and so I feel like they see that as such a beautiful time in their lives but I even now I mean that's it's only been about seven or eight years since we did that so even now I feel like it's still revealing itself to them, but for sure, I, yeah, they all grew in different ways during that time. They all really took it on in, in different ways. Like, like our oldest really made friends quickly and dug in trying to figure out the culture. And, um, and then I feel like my daughter really figured out the academic system, which was completely different from ours. So they each kind of took the challenges on in a, in a different way that I think, again, is continuing to reveal itself. But for sure, they learned that they're capable of more than they maybe thought that they were. We all did. You know, we all learned that we can we can do this new hard thing. And I just think that's, I think it's a gift, you know, it was a gift for me. And I, I hope they will always see it as a gift. And then on top of that, we got to see and do, you know, a mate, you know, we had our vacations in Europe because it was right there. So they, they have, um, you know, a treasure store of travel that experiences that now that they're all back in the U S or feel very exotic and unusual and exciting. So I feel like that is its own gift as well. Seems like they will remember that they each individually had an inward journey. And then as a family, you had a shared outward journey to almost hold space for what you were all um, dealing with, with such change. And I'm wondering too, 
what what's it like to live in Scotland? Like, what are the people like? The food, the customs. What did you learn living there that a person living in the U.S. wouldn't know about? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, it was different in ways that we probably didn't. Of course, we didn't anticipate or expect. One of the things I feel like walking is a theme for me that I gravitate towards. So I may even like um, make it bigger than it really is. But for me, the fact that we walked everywhere when we moved, and that's not just Scotland, that's really Europe in general, but uh, was so different from our lifestyle, our American lifestyle. So walking to the store, walking to school, walking to and walking long distances. We joke all the time now, no one, none of us would choose to, in fact, we live two and a half miles from where uh, my husband is teaching. And we lived just over two and a half miles from the kids school and where the university, where my husband was in Scotland. And they all walked it every day without question wow. in all kinds of weather. In the winter, when it got dark at three in the afternoon, and in the winter months, like part of what I didn't even think about in moving to Scotland or Aberdeen specifically is it's so far north. It's like living in Alaska. So okay. even though you don't have like the snowy, you don't have, you know, it's more temperate. You have the really dark winters. So from like mid-November to mid-January, they were walking to and from school in the dark two and a half miles you know and we look at that now and feel like oh my goodness we would never do that here you know are we just so soft here in the U.S. I mean I what's the matter I know, I know. <laughs> and it would be raining and and yeah but it was just it was and and everybody else is out in the streets as well so it's not it's it doesn't feel as strange I guess I don't know but but so that was a huge difference. It's just how mobile on our feet we were. I mean, we've always been an active family and loved to go hiking and we would go hiking. Like a hike was something we would do on the weekends, but now we were walking all the time, all during the week and to the store, to school, to. So were you a lot healthier? I, that's a good question. I mean, I feel like for sure I have, um, become more sedentary since we moved back to the United States. <laughs> Unfortunately, all of us, I mean, probably we all have, we still have like an active sort of active weekend or, you know, in the after dinner, I'll, I'll walk like a, it's less than a mile though, just like a loop around your neighborhood or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, probably, probably for sure more fit at least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so tell me a little bit more about your walks that you've done and how you photograph them and your, your photographs are beautiful and just want to let our listeners know that I'll have show notes leading you to Allison's um, website where you can see beautiful photos. And this is really what drew me into you too, is that you would have these gorgeous photos of your walks and then you talk about your walks and what you're seeing and what you're insights are and I felt like they were just so beautifully compassionate about nature and the moment and I always felt really soothed and nourished and I wonder if you can tell me about how you how did you come up with the idea to do that yeah it's interesting even as you're um talking about it like one of the, the 
things that's interesting about the whole, we used to walk in Scotland, we don't hear. But I feel like one of the main reasons is probably time, like the amount of time it takes to walk an hour somewhere. We just don't, we don't give ourselves that here. And so that was one of the things that really drew me into a long walk as travel is that you can only travel as quickly as you can walk, which is not very, not very fast. You can only see as much as you can see on foot and, and only see as much of the land as you can cross in a day. And I, I was so drawn to that way of travel without even realizing that it was like, um, I've always loved traveling, but like, I just didn't realize that this pace was just suited. It just suits my personality more. So I think at first I've always, uh, I mean, I've been a hiker my whole life. I grew up backpacking, but I had never done the kind of hiking that they have in Europe where at the end of the day you can arrive somewhere and you're met by like a bed and breakfast and you have, so you're not carrying a tent and a stove. You get to in the day at a bed and breakfast and have a hot meal and a hot shower and a warm bed. So that was just a whole new, you know, way of, of doing backpacking in general. And so uh, I, as soon as I started to realize that existed in England and the UK in general, I was like, Oh, Oh yes, I want to do this. And so I, I recruited my sister to do my first walk, which was in the borders area. So it was like crossed from Scotland down into England and the walk went through several old abbeys where it goes from abbey to abbey. So you're walking through the countryside of Scotland and England. And um, during the day, you're just out in group. We were out in just green fields. Sometimes you would kind of go over up a rolling hill along lots of walking along stone walls and, you know, things that I, I don't experience that were very normal to our life in the UK, but that I don't experience in America. And so, you know, we, my my sister and I were just mesmerized by every sheep and lamb and by, you know, every uh, structure, old ancient structure, churches and um, abbeys and monasteries. So we would walk all day and then arrive at night or in the afternoon, usually at like in a tiny little village, but somewhere in the village was a house or a bed and breakfast that we were, and we, we had our luggage was transferred from place to place for us. We just hiked with little backpacks and our raincoats. And then you would arrive and have a cup of tea and take off your wet boots and then the they would usually serve dinner right where we were staying and and you just sit and have a glass of wine by the fire and then go to bed and then wake up the next morning put on you know leave your luggage by the door to be picked up and then put on our backpacks and usually our raincoats as well because it was it was may in scotland so still kind of a rainy time and then leave the front door and head back out on your feet. And, you know, maybe between 12 and 18 miles a day, which sounds like a lot. And I I was worried about whether or not I was going to be able to walk that far. But when you're spreading it out from like nine or eight or nine in the morning to five in the afternoon, it's different because you, 
can walk for three or four hours and stop in a village for lunch or stop by a little rolling brook and have your picnic lunch or you know you don't have to be in a hurry you don't ever have to feel like you're in a hurry and then when you get to the town is when you get there and in May in Scotland it's not getting dark till like probably 8 p.m so you Mm -hmm. can hike you could take that long if you needed to and then so we did it was about five days which I felt like was a really good just start for me as as far as doing a long walking day after day um you know by the time my legs were really really sore we were we were done whereas if you do like a month long you have to work your body all the way through, you know, some of that, some of that soreness. And then that walk, that particular walk ended, um, by the sea. So, and you actually walk on where a tide goes out and you walk across the kind of the muddy flats or whatever to get to the island that's reachable when the tides are out. There's a bridge as well, but the island's reachable when the tide's out. And it just was amazing. I mean, we were just, uh, just we loved every minute of it there were spring flowers in bloom and it just felt magical as a way to see a new place especially well I mean we I loved all the travel that we did while we were in Europe but we did lots of travel where we were like hopping on trains and you've got to be here at this time and you you know and we gotta get up and we're in Paris we have to see everything here and or things like that so yeah I really came to prefer this other mode of traveling where you're just one foot in front of the other and I wonder what we're going to see and experience today you know you're so in the present moment yes 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 is that is that where you because you are a person who really seems to live in the present moment Mm -hmm. and 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 also one who practices a lot of daily compassion and I wonder, what did you learn about yourself and what do you continue to learn about yourself and life and people doing these walks and just being present in these walks? Mm. Yeah, I think um, what's interesting about walking and, you know, I've done several more since then is that every time there's something that's familiar about it, you know, what you pack and the way your backpack feels and your boots, you know, the strap, I love the like strapping on of my boots and the lacing them up and there's these very familiar routines about it but every walk is new you know every journey is different even even if I'm walking the same trail it's different and it doesn't ever look the exact same and so yeah I feel like it has um layered on top of my and integrated on top of my life in a way that uh, I can see life like the trail where you only have the next step that's in front of you, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that today, even if it's the same sort of as yesterday, today is different. It's new and something, something new will arise. And I want to be there, I guess, to meet it, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I, I, um, you know, when you're walking on a trail, anytime you start to it's something that happens to me a lot if I'm walking, doing some distance walking and we're walking to a village is sometimes you'll see a hill, crest a hill and you'll be able to actually see the village that you're walking to. Not always, but sometimes. And I, uh, 
I always think it's closer than it is. I'm like, oh, we can see it. We're almost there. And, but usually it's like at least another hour away, sometimes longer. And I get in trouble when I mentally think I'm almost there. And, you know, it's almost like, I mean, I think it's good to have a goal you're heading towards, but if I get too much already to the goal with my brain, then I'm losing the tape. No, I just need to take this next step in front of me and I'll feel less energy about the last hour because I, in my body, I'm already there in the town. Yeah. No, it's, it sounds, it's almost like it's a mirage (laughs) and, (laughs) and you're stepping out of present moment into, which is such a lesson about, you know, what we all do, right? We're, it's, it's so difficult to just be right where we are right now. Exactly. I feel like right now, you know, one of the things I'm seeing so much is that I'm just, people are saying, I'm just ready for 2020 to be over. I just want to, let's, let's throw this year away and move on. And I do think there's a sense in which, you know, we have to plan for the future and make goals or whatever about, yes, what do we want to, what do we want to build once the once the rubble settles or whatever. I think, so I'm not saying we don't ever think about the future, but I do think maybe, uh, at least for me, it's more important to uh, experience what is now and mm-hmm. to let it, let it come all the way in. It's a moment where if we let it, if we can sit down in it with the deep discomfort we can see something new on the horizon, but there's a lot of resistance mm-hmm. and we're having such great change now in our country and in the world. And then with the political landscape and the election coming up, people are completely overwhelmed for obvious reasons. And yet we almost need to be in the overwhelm. Mm-hmm before we can start dreaming again about what the new, and I mean, just, I want to let our listeners know too, Allison is one who comes to Italy with me and is there with me on my retreats. And we will be back in Italy again. We We are are hoping next spring. And when we do get back, what I am most excited about is having Allison lead us on one of her walks in Tuscany of course. Yeah. Yes. So you're a writer and a beautiful writer at that. All, all soul in your writing, all soul. And I want to ask you a little bit about what do you learn about people in your work as a writer and what are th- common themes that you see? Well, um, I do a lot of writing for like all, all different people. I came to, I mean, I write for myself, then I came to a conclusion. This is just an important detail. I know it's not quite an answer to your question, but I came to this conclusion and maybe it will be different at some other point. A few years ago, I don't know, it's probably been five years that I really enjoy writing when I don't have to promote my, the writing my writing or anybody else's. And like, uh, that's a strange um, thing to, it's a strange detail, but like for me to realize that has been really uh, 
monumental. I think I would have given up writing if I had not come to that conclusion. So what I enjoy doing is writing for myself and not promoting it at all, and then writing for other people, and then they get they get to promote that. that. So I get, I have the privilege of um, finding myself now where I'm writing for several people who are like you, who are bringing beautiful light to the world. And I mean, it's, it's an overwhelming privilege. And I'm, so I'm finding myself writing for people who are healing and whether it's through yoga or retreats or energy or all kinds of things, spiritual. Um, and so I find that I'm, I really love that work. And I, so what I really try to do is find, um, for example, for you to find your voice. And then if I'm right for, I do also just do some editing and then I want to maintain your voice, but I also do writing to find your voice. So what's beautiful to me is to figure out, to lean in and watch what you're doing in the world, notice the gifts that you're bringing in your work, and then how, you know, get inside and like highlight that somehow to write, I mean, just a simple newsletter that's coming from you, from any one of my clients I know is going to touch people with your beautiful work. And so it's a, it's a privilege to write it and to, to bring out the things that you're, the gifts that you're going to you're going to bring. I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> what do you learn about people? You asked me what I learned. I, I'm, one of the things I love about my writing for, for different healers is I'm learning. I, I learn an amazing amount of things. I learned, I remember several years ago, you did a course on some really specific bits and pieces of yoga that I was unfamiliar with. And I loved learning, you know, you have this vast yoga experience you've been teaching for Decades. Over 20 years. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So like I, I get to learn that by osmosis mm. as we're doing a project together. And so there's almost no project that I don't find interesting when, mm. you know, when I'm helping someone with an ebook or an e-course or something, usually um, the learning, the material isn't like I'm learning how many different ways there are to bring light and healing into the world, you know, whether it's Reiki or Ayurveda or, you know, there's so many and I love uh, tapping and I love learning about all those things. You know, you are also a natural coach for writers because mm. every time you and I have interacted so listeners, Allison is who edited my first book, A Heart of Gold. And during the process of me writing that book, what worked for me is having you by my side and telling me, you know, in emails and, and uh, when we'd have our talks and stuff, mm -hmm. you were constantly letting me know that whatever I was doing was okay, but here's some structure Here's some things that you can do right now to move you forward. So not only are you helping craft other people's soul stories, but you are also coaching writers on how to actually do the thing, which is writing. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's a really natural outflow of what I like. I don't 
call myself a coach. Maybe some, at some point it'll be another iteration. I have like in explaining what I do, sometimes I'll say I'm sort of like a e-course or mini book midwife, like <laughs> just trying to move it along and bring it on out into the world because you're, I do really believe that, yeah, the more accessible. So even if it's like taking all the things I told someone recently, you know, you've been pouring out your wisdom on Instagram for five years. Even if you take all those things and put them together in a more, um, you know, in a package on your website or whatever, like it's just a way to get your gifts, you know, mm. your work to more people in a, in a more consumable, um, yeah, way. You're so good at that. And the, the thing that I think you taught me the most is that it's okay to be a person who does the kind of work that I do and to have resistance to that constant marketing that need, you know, videos, marketing constantly that you really need to do to show up and let people know you're here to come and find this beautiful work. It's also, it's okay for alongside that to also live within you, that feeling of, I don't really love this that much, but I see it as something that is really going to be beneficial to the people that I can serve. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I feel like, yeah, it's funny, but it is so much easier to market things other people to do or to encourage other people to push. I mean, that's just how we are, right? We're our own worst critics. So it's- We uh, are. Yeah, we're very hard on ourselves. You know, one thing I want to ask you about is you have such a spiritual background as well. Mm -hmm. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. And then I'm wondering just right now in these crazy times we're in, how do you stay reverent Hmm. day by day? Hmm. Um, Yeah, I have a, I grew up in it like a non-denominational church home that was very like, uh, I feel like a, a word, I wouldn't have described it that way, but sometimes a word that's used is like happy clappy kind of like I'm a preacher's daughter, but like our church met like in a YMCA for many, many years. So it's very, um, you know, rough around the edges. And so I've always had a, some kind of a spiritual practice. Uh, I can, I, like I said, and I grew up camping and being outdoors. So I always also like alongside like church and Bible and doctrine or whatever, I would say I connected early on to the feeling of being with God in nature and communing with the divine by being in, you know, close to the earth. And so it's funny, I've kind of had those parallels running Mm -hmm. for a long time. And I feel like at different points, different ones of them, I mean, it was really important to me to instill both of those things in our children. And so I think at different points, probably the two running parallels between, I'm just between like church and nature, different ones were emphasized at different times. And I would say for sure in this moment, staying connected to the earth has been really important. In fact, we canceled so many things like Italy, we canceled so many things that would have been times that I am not sitting inside of my computer, you know, like that I've, I think at some point my husband really realized we are, we're starving for that. And we just kind of took off at 
and went in July. So after the pandemic and we'd all been kind of locked inside in July and I was really concerned about doing it. I felt like, oh, is this irresponsible to travel? But we took off and drove to Colorado and spent two weeks in the mountains without, you know, just camping on the ground with our with just our one kiddo who's left and some friends met us as well for part of it. But I would, I just didn't realize how much my soul like was dying for the extended time. No, you know, internet or connection to um, anything that's going on, you know, so we're out of the, the news cycle for a couple of weeks and out of the, and I even like, am a person who really controls the amount of that I consume, but still without, you know, going from, I guess it was March to July with no periods of extended pulling back into nature. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was just so necessary. So it was good to remember. I mean, it's always good to remember. So two or three times a week, I will try to get like where I am, have trees. So I just live in a neighborhood like anybody else. I don't have like um, lots of land or anything. So I have to like get in my car and go to the forest Mm -hmm. and I actually like physically put my hands on the trees, you know, like, okay. And, uh, you know, before I go to bed, a new thing I'm doing during the pandemic is before I go to bed, I'll actually walk outside barefoot and just like stand in the grass for a minute, like just, or walk outside with my shoes and kick them off and like stand in the grass. And if I can see any stars, look up and see the stars and, you know, around, come back to that present just that the earth is here. I, well, this is kind of a weird segue, but I just finished reading this book called Braiding Sweetgrass that a, a friend of mine gave me. And I wish I had it in front of me. It's by Robin Wall Kimmerer. And she's like a naturalist. And a, a friend of mine gave it to me when I got back actually from Colorado. And I just finished it. I've been like metering it out because it's like, it's prose, but it's like poetry. It's so beautiful about the earth. And so I've been like having, just reading just a little bit of it with my coffee every morning since then. And uh, it just has been a daily reminder of how the earth gives to us Mm. and and we have taken and taken and taken. And so I, I'm in like a phase of like, how, how can I give back to the earth? How can I um, participate in some, in some kind of restoration effort for what we've destroyed? And, you know, because it, it's profound. You're the yeah. third person in a week that has mentioned that book to me. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So, so now I, I think I'm going to have to get myself a copy mm-hmm, of that book. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's just exquisite. Sounds and like a beautiful holiday yeah. gift for anyone who's mm-hmm. looking to nourish through earth. Mm-hmm. And I, I love what you said about just how Mama Earth is so exhausted and depleted. And obviously in the midst of pandemic, there's a massive climate change movement that really just has to happen. Yes. So we're all sort of waiting on pins and needles for, you know, what is going to be the bigger structure of that. And maybe when you go out on the earth and stand there on your own two feet, it's almost like a prayer. It is. It absolutely a is. Prayer, a prayer of hope. Mm-hmm. I love that as a beautiful imagery. Allison, thank you so much for being here today. I feel like we could keep talking for two hours on these topics. And, and so 
we'll we'll kind of leave leave everyone with these beautiful thoughts about walking and being in the present and taking care of earth. For now, we will journey and adventure in our minds and hearts. And later, we will journey back to Tuscany together. I'm quite certain of it. Yes, so, we will. Thank you for sharing with us today. I know everyone's going to love listening to this more than once. Thank you so much. It was really a pleasure. Take good care. You too. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening in. This is kind of a big week for us. So I hope everyone is holding it together okay, taking time out to just do whatever you need to calm your nerves get out of that anxiety place and hopefully listening to the show today will give you some dreaminess to think about in terms of what might the world look like in a while from now when we can all move around a little bit more freely it really does help to have a dream and a vision for the future also I'm really excited this week I'm starting my first ever group coaching program so it's kind of like going on a retreat from our homes. And I'll be teaching everything that I teach on my retreats, except for in a little bit different format in medium, obviously. But I'm really excited. I have a beta group that's come together beautifully. And I really look forward to sharing uh, more with you about that as the time goes on. So thank you again for your time and energy. Really appreciate it. Again, take good care and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.